0: This is the EWN Podcast Network.
1: You are listening to Sharing Stories with Helen Rose. My guest today is Colleen Kelba, who is the author of the book Inhale. And I will tell you right off the bat, it is some of the most beautiful writing I have ever read ever. It's amazing. Colleen, thank you for joining me today.
0: Oh, my
2: pleasure. I'm honored to be here. Wow. You've got a story that covers
1: lots and lots of subjects, and I I don't even know kind of which one to start at. Do you want to give uh, our listeners a a brief recap of your life? (laughs) A brief (laughs) recap of your life. Okay. (laughs) Okay.
2: Where do I start? From the beginning. <laughs> well, um, oh my, large family, married young, parted as friends, had two beautiful babies, and then I started a new life with another gentleman, and who was amazing at first, and it took about nine years of disassembling my life, for me to finally wake up and remove myself from that awakening experience, to say the least.
1: And what part of that, with that nine-year journey, was, you know, your intuition telling you, was it year one, was it year two? Because quite often we'll hear women who'll say, oh, I knew when I walked down the aisle, or I'll hear women that will say, it took them five years to end the relationship
2: it took a while you know at first it was wonderful mm-hmm. you know I didn't I didn't understand or know the signs of narcissism and I didn't know the signs of mental illness um at the time and so it was very subtle and with him he was unfortunately um a product of both I guess I'm not sure if product is the right word but he was very narcissistic and when you're a narcissist, it's small, subtle steps in communications and um, me, very naive and innocent about it. I had, you know, I just, I loved him. He he swept me away. We had so much in common when it came to spirituality and service in the community. And he was so good with the kids. And, um, but then slowly, slowly, and I think looking back, of course, everybody has the most clarity when you look back. Is the first subtle little signs, just the little tiny signs that you wouldn't otherwise know. And writing the book was just my one reason why I just had to um, give some awareness to other people to see the little red flags. Yeah,
1: those pesky red flags. And, and when you don't see them or you do see them, even worse when you see them and you, you're, you're, you're pushing away your intuitive side. And then it gets to a point where, you know, you are, you know, worried about the societal um, criticisms of a second marriage not working, I think. Tell me some of those things that were running to your head.
2: Oh, yeah. That was it. Another failure. Disappointing my children. Um, What are they going to think as they get old and have, you know, an adult mind? You remember these things? Um, What am I teaching them? What are my friends going to think? Um, what am I, what's my family going to think? What's the disappointment I'm giving them? Why can't I get through this? Marriage isn't easy. It takes two, you know, all those, all those, all those, all those, all those when, thoughts that keep you held.
1: Were you ever at a point where you were in danger?
2: Yes. Mm. Deeply.
1: Physically, spiritually, emotionally, Physically, all of it?
2: spiritually, emotionally, intimately. Wow. And it was at first for my children, it was verbally. And then once I could finally, you know, I didn't realize how important it was or why I had to get them away. And um, I just knew in my gut that I this was not going to be healthy. <laughs> and I had to figure it out. And thank goodness their father is amazing. And um, and agreed to home- to have them home we always had an open doorway anyway between the two of us but he just agreed to keep them there until I figured it out and it was when I was finally on my own not needing to worry about their safety as much that I could finally get the clarity to see um the vast threat we were in and how it was going to be a lot of work to get me away from him
1: and a lot of work to come to terms with, with all of those things that you mentioned earlier. Oh, and yeah. now you're facing life over again. I mean, let's face it, divorce, divorce isn't fun, even when it's amicable. And, you know, all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, now I have to find myself again or find myself. And there's lots that, you know, are looking for what they think is themselves or they found themselves and it's not the case at all. How old were your kids when you um, got them safely to their father?
2: They were 16 and 14.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And do you think, you know, you're talking about that 2020 vision. Has it had an impact on on them? How old are they now?
2: Oh, gosh. They're all grown up now. Yeah. (laughs) They're like 28 and 26.
1: Right. Fabulous
2: adults.
1: (laughs) And they're fabulous. And they they weathered that uh, because uh, you loved them and they saw... Um, they really they saw
2: out? a lot. They were very um, wise children to begin with, and the thing that threatened um, that particular spouse the most was about that they were so wise and onto things and questioned things. Um, they were very stable children, thank God, because you know their father and I were very, you know, we loved them deeply and we never disrespected each other. We gave them a good foundation, no matter if we were together or apart. And thank God for that, because that gave them a great foundation. And um, I look back and thinking, I wish I had just never had anybody else for a while. Because yeah. at the time I didn't realize what um, a very fragile window of time their teenage years are. They're the mm-hmm. most fragile window of time for your children.
1: hmm Calling, we all look back and think, "Oh man, I wish I had." I know. <laughs> had. You know, so it comes down to that. You know, beating beating yourself up. Okay, so and we all do it. Um, so, when did you know that it was safe to exit out of that without him, fear of of um, coming after you?
2: It was when we were in Arizona, and I got that call from my from my friend. And I just knew, I knew I was going to be okay. It was like, before then, I knew I was walking around in this bubble of something I couldn't get out of, this jello bowl. But when I just felt it in my belly, and I got a tingle instead of a dread, I just knew, I'm going to be okay. And this is going to work. And I'm just, I'm just going to do this.
1: Yeah, because he moved you out of Canada, didn't he?
2: Yes, we were, um, yeah, he had this idea on this vision to go get help. He wanted help so bad. So he said, and he had researched all these different clinics in the U S mental illness and, and health and, and meditation guiding and everything. And he's like, can I just go on this journey to tour these places? But maybe I can find something. I can find the help and we can put our family back together again. And He's, you know, he was very convincing.
1: Was that and, part of his his um, Was that part of his agenda? Was to get you away from where it really was safe, safe? Doing absolutely, doing friends. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And because I am a, a kind person and a nurturer, and you know, I tried, and that's you know the best match for a narcissist. <laughs> so they just think, okay, I can work on all her soft spots and keep her there as long as I can if I manipulate her through her soft spots and that's Mm -hmm. what they do it's classic now that I know it's a classic move it's a classic move
1: yeah your escape want to tell the details of that
2: yes my uh, best friend who had known us for quite a while or known me for 30 years known um James for about seven years by that time Um, She was pregnant and her spouse had abandoned them. And when she called, it was just before we found out before we had actually left on this journey. And he had always said, like, we cannot let her go through this by herself. And I said, I agreed. So he had promised me that when she is ready to have this baby, that I could go. So... Time went by, I'm desperate to leave, I'm in this situation, and she makes the call, but she's in labor, and that's when the plan came, just slipped into action, and she was very intuitive to begin with, um, we had whispered secrets back and forth throughout the years of how unhappy I was, and I was trying, and what I was dealing with, and she would coach me, and she was very intuitive. Oh, sorry, I'm a little bit emotional. <laughs> no, that's okay. Yeah.
1: that's okay. And I know, you know, whenever I, I have these kinds of chats, I, I always hate asking to tell about that part of it because oh, it doesn't it. matter, it is hard, and it doesn't matter how much you've healed and moved forward with your journey. When you have to go back to those moments of the extreme fear and survival, and am I going to make this and all of that, mm-hmm. of course you remember that. So mm-hmm. absolutely, if you need to pause, we just pause. Okay. Okay. So tell me the moment when you were in, in you know, you've thought it through many, many times. And how am I going to do this? Am I going to be able to do it? And here's the moment. Here's the moment of you're going to be able to do it.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, on the phone with my girlfriend. And she just intuitively knew. And we just played the role. We just played the role that, you know, he was so sweet just to letting me go and see her and help her. And she really buttered him up well on the phone call. And... uh, Was she in Canada? No, she she went back home from Canada to um, Oregon where she, you know, started her life again with her baby by herself. And so at the time I was in Yuma... And we'd taken a side trip to Tombstone we to visit some friends. And that's when we got the call. And she was very, like, so grateful to him for allowing me. To, see, she played on all his words. Allowing me to go to see her. Trusting her with me. Um, promising to take care of me. And make sure to monitor me. And send me back, you know, when she needed to. Um, when she no longer needed my help. And so she really played along with his ego and with his mind um, to butter him up so that he did feel like the hero making these arrangements. And I really had to play the part of, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. You know, you're so amazing. You're so giving. Thank you so much. (laughs) Inside, I was thinking different things. Of course you were. But externally, I had to I had to keep him happy because the one part of me that was frightened was that he would, at any second, for some spiteful reason, or revenge, or need to control more is to prevent me from going. So I really played the part.
1: Yeah. You know, it's really interesting because you see these stories on, you know, on movies and stuff, and mm. you just think, oh my gosh, it's the movies. But when you're speaking to someone who really was in that intense need to absolutely whatever it took to survive, um, does it seem surreal to you now, Colleen?
2: Oh, very much so. Even writing it myself, I was like, really? I went through that? And you you do it without thinking. And I'm writing and I'm just like, this would make a great movie. Yeah. Because I well, believe those movies now. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Well, you
1: know, it is true. And, and that's where, you know, I mean, they've got to have a source, some source of truth to them. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I do when I'm journaling, I remember now, my, I didn't have, I didn't have that experience when my marriage was ending. Um, but I, it was a lot of pain that was going on. And I journaled and I remember journaling every day. It was just spewing out of me like this ridiculous amount of, you know, gushing water and just intense emotions. And, you know, a couple of years later, when I'm writing my, my uh, second book about the experience and coming to terms with what had happened... I remember reading that journal again and it was like, who, what? I don't even really, really remember, okay? <laughs> who is that? <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh my God, I got to burn this before I die or they're going <laughs> to think I'm crazy. Yeah, but I mean, that's right? really the way it feels, doesn't it? Mm-hmm, it's like, totally. so did he, he had threatened suicide many times or attempted?
2: He attempted several times and he knew the end of it, he was threatening it for both of us.
0: Um, yeah.
2: You know, in the car, driving, and he'd just speed up out of control. And he's like, oh, just whatever, let's just go. Or or he'd be angry and he'd speed up the RV. And, you know, then I'd be just like, you know, again, just point as I say in the book is like, well, what the hell then? Yeah. And then I had to play on his mind. I had to think like he did. And I was like, now, oh, come on. We're gonna make the news. We're gonna do all these things. Let's just do it. Let's let's do it. Like you idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And but then I was like inside. I'm just like this cannot be happening. This cannot be happening. And in my in my heart of hearts, I'm just praying to the universe. Give me strength. I'm getting home to my kids. If I have to walk, you know, broken, I am getting back to my children.
1: Thank you for sharing that. I I know mm-hmm. that's really emotional for you still and thank you. Here comes the part where you see that here's the other part. So you see this happening to a friend of yours and you're you're actually helpless as a friend to remove them from what is so obviously an unhealthy place for them to be, for your friend to be. Yet there's so many that don't leave and they they become the ones that people are like, well, she must like it. And it's like, but it's so much deeper than all of that, isn't it? Because now we're talking about if he is the primary, you know, breadwinner, you have, like you say, you've gone into another marriage and all of a sudden it didn't work. So you're, you know, you're facing those fears of public scorn, scorn from your family and friends and all of that, potentially your kids too, you know, not, I'm not talking about you in particular, but, Mm -hmm. and then like, can you speak to when when you see or hear people talk about their friends that are in very similar situations how do you get to the compassionate part instead of criticizing or judging what they need to do to survive
2: Well it's very it's very much a part of why I wrote the book I couldn't I wanted to address those questions and that criticism because one unless you're in it you don't understand But it's also the very little small fears that that woman or man deal with on the daily that keep them there. And it's for me, it was all about what he's going to do to others if I do this. So that kept me frozen. But also, if I see a friend now and I'm a no bullshit kind of a girl anymore. I've lived in bullshit for too long. And sometimes being nice isn't the nice thing to do. The kinder thing to do is to say your truth whether you're going to lose that friend or not and and I have now done that. If I see a friend I was in that need, I would say, "Look, I've seen signs. I this has happened to me. I see these little red flags. This is this is what I see. I love you enough to tell you and I'm here for you with whatever you decide."
1: Yeah. I think those are really powerful words. I'm the same. And you know, you've got, you, you have, you know, the most calming and I don't know, uh, obviously because you sing, you have this lovely voice where I'm kind of like, well, I did not stop it, (laughs) you know, and kind of right out there. Right. But you're out there too. And it's like, it has to come down to almost whether it, is it important that they're ready to receive that news too? Because, it, it is hard to tell someone, look at this is, this is not healthy. But if they're not willing to receive that and they get angry, I, I guess you have to be okay with it. Listen, I'm going to tell you, you're not going to like hearing it. And do mm-hmm. you want me to tell you what you want to hear or what I really think about it?
2: There were a few two people in my life who did that regardless. And mm. I was angry at the time. I was defensive at the time. I didn't talk to them at the time. You know, I didn't trust that anymore with my conversations with them at the time. But I tell you, those are the most powerful things I leaned on when it was time for me to go because those were seeds that were planted. They were seeds that were planted and maybe, and when it is true that we are not told what we're not ready to receive, and we receive a piece of information we rebuke. it's not that we're not supposed to receive them, we're not ready to receive them, and it's not that that's one who's telling us obviously is cute to tell us. So I trust that timing completely. It is either a planting a seed or it's ready to help you right now. Mm-hmm. But that seed is planted. And those are the most powerful seeds I had. I didn't care when I was ready. I didn't care if I was broke. I didn't care if I was butt naked getting away from him. I didn't care because I had those tiny little seeds that gave me the courage to say, I am done. I need nothing, but I that, am going to survive because I'm okay and I'm going. Yeah.
1: Wow. And and it's powerful and it's true. When it's time, I mean I mean, I think those excuses that we use um mm. that are used along the way are exactly that, not ready to you know, take that step out because of fear. Listen, it's never just a, this is this and that is that. It, it is, you know, sometimes those decisions are fear-based. They are, yeah. you know, they their self-esteem's been chipped away relentlessly that they just don't have it. And we've all, we've all had girlfriends like that. And we've all been in situations and not as extreme as yours, but where you're not listening. You're not listening to the words. Yeah. And then, when all of a sudden it, you know, it's like this cloud just comes, disappears, and it's like, oh, and reality mm-hmm. hits. Yeah. Also a survival skill as well. Yeah. Who do you, you love
2: and respect after? Who do you love and respect and are most connected to when you have conquered it, when you have gone past that jello? That's right. I have so much respect for those two people who. Who had enough courage and love for me to tell me the truth, despite the risk of losing me? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I tell people, I tell mm-hmm. people, I would, I do start with, "I love you enough to tell you this."
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> because friend. that's a
2: seed too. Yeah,
1: well, it's true, and it's like, I am your friend, and I do love you, and I'm telling you, yeah. this is not good. And so- you think
2: you think that those words aren't sticking if because their eyes gloss over or they just don't get it right now trust me those words stick words stick
1: yeah I know that he subsequently did end his life he was successful how did you feel when you heard that news about him did you have any compassion I am I'm almost guessing you weren't like good see you later it's oh not, yeah. That's not. Oh you were? Oh absolutely.
2: Oh. I have this. I'm going to be right honest with this. This is the this is the mixed <laughs> art of suicide and both sides of suicide. And I'm going to really be brave here and say the things that I've been longing to say and too afraid to say.
0: Wow. He said, "Yes.
2: Yes. I felt like thank God. Wow. you saved me. Money, you've saved my kids stress." you've got what you came here for, fine, I'm alive, I can succeed. I've had all those thoughts.
1: Right. Well, I always, you know, when my ex-husband passed away, I always used to say, well, because I was very, very hurt over the end of my marriage. And I used to say, well, the mature part of me is like, well, that's really sad. He's a human being, and that's sad that he's gone. But then then there's other part of me, it's like, huh. but I always, I'm always amazed at the people that will be that brutally honest. And they're like, oh, yeah, oh, well. And they don't feel that guilty thing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we've, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Good for I'm you. I'm so far gone. You know, and it's now in my own recovery and my own self-forgiveness that I can see that this was simply his story. Mm-hmm. This was his story. I couldn't control his story. I couldn't change his story. This is what he came here to do, mm-hmm. you know, and it's changed my perception on suicide. It has changed my perception on mental illness. Uh, but on the other hand, I still believe strongly in our gift of life. And I don't respect those who don't respect our gift of life. Mm-hmm. I really quite honestly don't.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's it's a maybe a bit jaded because of this when he was given any, everything. When he had everything it is. his fingertips and he knew what it was like to be treated badly but he didn't mind doing it mm-hmm. to others mm-hmm. but so he knew the difference between being treated well and and loved and not being loved but he just decided he was above it all mm-hmm. and quite honestly I'm being really honest here because but
1: that's good this is, this is the
2: other side of suicide this is the other side people mm-hmm. we, yeah. we don't talk about
1: yeah. I think it's great to be brave and you're absolutely entitled to feel that way considering that journey you went along with him. Have you ever kind of sat back and figured, what the heck was that lesson for me? What was mm. that, have you done that? Yes,
2: absolutely. I was, there is such a thing as being too kind and too giving
1: mm-hmm.
2: and that's what I was.
1: Mm-hmm. And not and sticking unfor- up for yeah. Colleen
2: you no sticking up for me, not, and, um, always appeasing and trying to quell arguments, trying to keep the peace. And, you know, I did it all because I didn't want my children to have a disturbed life, but what, what would they have reaped better from a mother who was strong and defended them and, you know, mm-hmm. put her fist mm-hmm. on the table once in a while, or a mom who was like, always trying to make amends and always trying to cover and always mm-hmm. trying to like soothe and then maybe lying about it just to, you know, quell and everything. That's what I did. That is keep, honestly what I did.
1: Keep the peace, keep the
2: keep peace. peace,
1: keep the yeah. peace, keep the peace.
2: Yeah. And it, there were times when I just like, you know, enough is enough. And thank gosh that I could use the kid's father to back me sometimes. That's an important part of this you know? story
1: too, is that, yeah. um, you know, I think there's this, Idea that divorce means your enemies. I, I I loved hearing people who it just didn't work, and and they it, they still are very committed to their children, and they're still kind to each other and instead of it always being you know snide remarks and all of those. Yeah. Um, that speaks a lot to that character uh, strength. Thank so. You. You know, I don't like wrapping stuff up in pretty bows and all that. But I do have mm-hmm. to say, you did find your, your true love, didn't you, Colleen?
2: I found a good love. Yeah. I found a really good love. And I found it because I had it in myself then. Mm-hmm. I had it because I, I showed up naked and Vulnerable. and not accepting less than everything that I gave mm-hmm. in love. Are
1: and that's there any what it naturally happened. And that's wonderful. I mean, you can see it on on um, mm-hmm. on your posts. It's like, oh my gosh, you guys, it just exudes the love you two have. I, I love it. Thank um, you. Is there any time where you're triggered by something or are you... You know, it's just it's just another part of your journey that no longer matters. Are you still triggered by it, or not so much?
2: There, oh yeah, there's there's times, and we we talked about it very openly from the beginning. And he's got a history too, mm-hmm. and he's got triggers, and I've got triggers. And what we did say is like when they come up, we address them right away. We sit down, we talk. I don't care where we are, we will like signal each other, go for a walk, talk it out, and and then just. Get it on the table, forgive it, and let it go. We promised each other that from the beginning.
1: Which is not easy to do. And I mean, we all have a past. It is not easy to be brutally honest about maybe needs not being met. Hey, I'm being triggered by this. Hey, you know, this doesn't sit well with me because most people will react to something like that. I mean, that to me is extraordinarily healthy way Mm -hmm. to communicate. And I don't know how many people honestly... Really do it. I don't know, but it's not an easy thing to do. To be, it's not easy at all.
2: I'd rather if like 20 minutes of discomfort or, you know, another lifetime heartache, right? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Let's rip off that band aid. (laughs) Yeah. Good for you. I mean, you know, and
1: that's, and that is, and it's not like, you know, I always have this vision, you know, for people that think they're just float through, you know, over the garden of flowers. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, so when something doesn't work and something, and and it isn't a simple saying that in your case, but do we actually explore what our needs are? Do we actually, are we looking for someone else to make us happy? And I think that there mm-hmm. is that certain bit in there that people, of course you, you bring happiness to each other, but... It's almost this fairy tale that people are looking for. And and I think that's why, I don't know if that's why the divorce rate's so high. It's like, boy, when reality comes in, right? And if you can get to a second or third marriage and have the ability to have that ability to be brutally honest with each other in a loving way. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, so yeah, it's great. It is great. Now, you are also a recording artist. Yeah. Were you always that, or was that after? No, I was always into music. You, you always yeah, were, but always. were you always recording?
2: I didn't start recording till 98, I think, or 99.
1: Okay. Yeah. And have you had some reasonable success with that?
2: I've had great success in, in, different, in different ways than i thought at the beginning, you know, I've been invited to Nashville a couple times. I've had debut album. I've been to several of the Canadian Country Music Awards. So um, cool. I haven't been nominated or anything or on radio.
0: I drum yes. Heller
2: Drum Heller radio plays my stuff, and I'm so grateful for them, yeah, um, but you know so yet yeah, you're not in
1: your but life isn't over. I mean, who no, knows and it wasn't
2: it really wasn't always about that though, for me. I, I and this is what I'm awakening to right now. It's COVID um, giving me this time to reflect. I realize that I've carried so many other people's dreams instead of my own all this time. Mm. And although I love music, I love music, and I love writing music, and I love I love being in the re- recording studio. Am I a performing artist? I th- I am in theater. I am more than I am on stage singing. I am discovering a whole new person right now, realizing that I was in the wrong genre all this time, that I was in the wrong avenue. I, I love doing the singing part, but I love the writing and the theater. I loved well, it.
1: I will tell you, uh, when I read your your book, I'm, re- I'm still reading it. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you, I am in awe of your writing chops, my friend. Thank I- you. I love how you write. It is so, ah, I can't even describe it. It's like it just carries you somewhere. I, I, I love it. You know, even this, I do, I really do, Colleen. And you know what? I read a lot and there are some things that I read and I'm like, oh yeah, that's good. But then I'm watching yours, reading yours and you just take you there. And it's just crazy how beautifully written it is. I'm going to just read one part at the beginning. My thoughts wander as I stand at the sink, washing dishes after another silent breakfast. I watch my hands perform their monotonous duties. This life no longer seems real. I place another plate in its assigned space. It did at one time, a very long time ago, when it was just me and the children. Why didn't I see how perfectly quiet and serene that time was? Time I can never get back now. It's beautiful. I'm not very gushy person, but that makes me gushy. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. I love how it takes you to that. We all do that. We all sit and do that monotonous chore, not recognizing that it maybe it is a time of peace to do whatever it is, <laughs> those little necessary things we have to do in our daily lives. You and know, I really that,
2: I felt that the story was so huge. And when I started writing it, I started writing it huge and it became, it just became too, too, too much. And after, after a couple, a few chapters and I started as a blog and it was very powerful, but it just became so daunting and bigger than I could carry because Mm -hmm. I had carried it all already. That I had to just write, and I had to write and just allow it to to happen. And once I started just allowing it to happen, I found that the largest messages can be wrapped in the smallest of words. And that's how the only way that I could bring out this story.
1: I get that. And I mean, I have... I haven't had that experience, but I've had a different kind of trauma in my life, mm-hmm. in my writing. I have to tell you, when you sent me that thing yesterday about, I love fried bologna. Yeah. I, I know. But it's true, right? And it I know, curls I up. And it. You, I know. And you can put mashed potatoes in it and, you know, green corn and all that kind of stuff. But when I was writing 53 Grove Road, that is exactly, I. that's why I think I like your writing so much because it's so honest and it's real and it's not flowery and, you know, it's just real. I think that's why it really resonates with me. Now, are you into perhaps writing a screenplay about your life or other um, people that, you know, future are already on the same journey that you were on? Is that something that could be a very powerful movie to share with people?
2: I would love to learn how to write a screenplay and it's cool that you asked because I've been with this new year I've just been like deciding that I am going I need to expand and although I don't want to keep bringing this story up I need I want to follow it up with another that that brings the polish to it brings the love to it because since writing this I have seen James in a different light I have found forgiveness and I have found all these aha moments, and I realize the heroes my children were through this whole story. I realize that the amazing courage and love that they displayed always, and so I want to bring all that out so that we can bring a whole other visual to people beyond their their escape from whatever it is they're going through. I want them to see the big, beautiful painting, the the Monet or whatever they call it. <laughs> in the museums I want them to see what they're going to yeah and that's my next mission and I
1: get that and that is it's so interesting you say that because my uh, sequel to 53 Grill Road is exactly mm. about what you just said and that's what I love what I do is that if you can find the gift in that journey as crappy as it was and and you have to go back and revisit it and you still become emotional but the power is knowing that you're actually in control because keep the real playing. Now mm-hmm. it isn't just about being stuck in that motor home in no. you know, unbelievable heat and not being near your children and fearing for your life. It's if you keep it moving forward, the right. beauty and it comes into technicolor. Absolutely, these stories need to be told because I think exactly. that's yeah, I think that's what happens is we get caught up into those moments. And then we almost just stop and freeze in that, you know, again, another uh, survival type of uh, living. We've got to keep it going forward because, you know, maybe that journey was for you to be able to be able to help another woman, even if you only help one other woman in your rest of your life calling.
2: That's huge. Totally. And we're here. Like this is what we're here to experience. We're here to experience the good, the bad, the ugly. We're here yeah. to have that trip to the haunted house. And then when you're out of it, you're like so freaked out, but you can't want to go back and you want to go again because that's life. That's right. right. It's right. You had it's a thrill, right. you had an excitement and, and all those things led you to that open door and you're out and it's like, woohoo. Yeah, I'm and out of that it. That is
1: life. But you know, it is life. And you know what else is life? Is you keep it mm-hmm. going forward, none of us is guaranteed that perfect, you know, I never use that word perfect, but it is is never guaranteed that everything is always going to work out the way we want. So that's when you get to draw on past experiences and go, well, hold on. I was in that haunted house before and I got out. Now, maybe I'm not in the haunted house, but I'm in, you know, on the Mm -hmm. porch of the haunted house. It's like, okay, hold on. I can survive this. I can get out of it. It doesn't make me feel good. All that kind of stuff. Those journeys are helpful to other people because we're you know let's face it we're all on the same path essentially Mm -hmm. and we're all at different paces and we all respond to things differently but that's why you can look up to the people that have survived and it gives them hope right like you said earlier it's about setting those you know those
2: seeds exactly and collecting tools in your toolbox
1: Oh yeah, I'm on forever talking about that. My, my favorite tool when I came out of my childhood was a hammer and a a can of gasoline and a match. That's how I (laughs) dealt with everything. And, and quite often when I'm talking to, you know, my clients, it's like, Hey, that hammer was important to have at one point
0: because it was
1: about survival, but is it serving you now? Exactly. Right. And nine times it doesn't mean you have to get rid of it. But you don't always have to pull it out when you think what you think is is where it's needed, right? That's right. Yeah. Sometimes
2: those tools are just like how to say no, how to set boundaries, how to still be kind, how to still be patient. How to, you know, all those tools. Those are all tools we learned that yeah. we can just pass them forward.
1: Yeah, I agree. When we're in our
2: wise ears.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> When is that again? No, (laughs) I'm just kidding. I know. (laughs) Sometimes you know what I always, I always think. Oh my gosh! Don't uh, you know? I remember when I first wrote Fifty Three Grove Road in like 1999. I thought, Oh, now I've done Uh my work, and uh, Mm -hmm. you know, the worst is over. It's never gonna. And I wasn't paying attention. And I think that's really key too. Is that when my world fell apart again? I hadn't really dealt with the first part of the journey. And so okay. I was making choices based on that with that toolbox. And mm-hmm. um, I never, it's not like I'm always on guard, but I sure as heck pay a lot more attention now because I need to protect right. my heart,
2: right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, um, beautiful.
1: Yeah. Colleen, mm. I, I just want to tell our listeners, if there is a book that is just really powerful to read, and it's yours, and it's called Inhale. You can get it on Amazon or most bookstores or where, where can we get it? Do you have a website, hon?
2: Yeah, I've got a website. It's colleensongs.com. You can find it there. And of course you got all the, you got the indigo, you got the chapters. Uh, well, good online. for you. Um, so
1: that's uh Colleen Song. So C-O-L-L-E-E-N-S-O-N-G-S.com.
2: And all the links are there on my website.
1: Okay. That's Awesome. Check out Colleen's website. Check out her incredible voice and <laughs> her incredible writing uh, skill. It's beautiful, Colleen. Thank you for joining me today. I, I really, f- I mean, we've kind of been around each other, but not really uh, knew each other. But I, I feel very honored that you came came on here today to share your incredibly poignant story. Thank you, and I'm and I'm really happy that you're moving forward and. You know when you make it big in Hollywood remember who your friends are
2: <laughs> oh you'll all be there because you know yeah oh no I, no. I collect people so anybody Good. down in Hollywood I'm gonna have to say I got a I got a convoy of people so take <laughs> I'll, me I'll take be, us all I'll be there I'll be there but thank you
1: for joining me today I really do appreciate it
2: oh thank you it's my my, my
1: pleasure You have been listening to Sharing Stories with Helen Rose. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for listening to Sharing Stories with Helen Rose. To learn more about Helen's journaling retreats, speaking engagements, and life coaching, or to sign up for her newsletter, please visit HelenRose.ca.
0: Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.